For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures I will arise and go forth to the house of my young I will arise and go forth to the house of my father I will arise and go forth to the house of my young House of my young Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, the Marriage Covenant Agreement and Lawsuit. This is part three of the series. Now, in looking at an outline of the details of the marriage agreement at Mount Sinai, first we're given the big picture, the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, God spake all these words saying, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 6, I show mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. And so we are commanded to keep his basic instructions, the Ten Commandments, and if we do, he's promised to show us mercy because we fail sometimes. So we need his mercy when we fail so that we can get up and we can continue to move forward and follow his instructions. So the Ten Commandments is the, the big picture, the big category of what he requires of us. But then that's broken down into details. How do we live out the Ten Commandments? And the details of how we do that is called his judgment or his mishpatim. Exodus chapter 21 verse 1 says, now these are the judgment or the mishpat or plural is mishpatim which you shall set before them. In Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 13 we can see how the nation of Israel was given mishpatim at Mount Sinai. You came down also upon Mount Sinai and you spake with them from heaven and you gave them right mishpatim and true laws, good statute and commandment. Now what we're going to do is we're going to look at the details of how we keep the Ten Commandments and we're going to make a list of the details. Now, this list is going to be significant and important in our study because once we have this list before us, and I would encourage you as you are watching the teaching that you get out pen and paper and you write down this list because it will help you in your study that it's this list of things that the people violated that the prophets are going to come and bring charge against the people. So this is why and how this list is important because it's the instruction of what we are required to do in order to live out in following the Ten Commandments. And then it's this list that he's going to bring charges against the people when they don't do it. So in Exodus chapter 21 verse 1 it says, Now these are the judgments or the mishpatim which you shall set before them. And so after the initial marriage offer was given in Exodus chapter 19 in verses 5 and 6. Now they've been brought to Mount Sinai. They're given the details and then after given the details, the people then agree to the details as we can see in Exodus chapter 24 verse 3. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the mishpatim 
Elohim. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said, we will do. Exodus chapter 24 verse 3 once again is the agreement to follow the marriage instructions. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the Mishpatim and the people said we will do. So following the agreement to be faithful to the marriage vows then there is a meal following to celebrate the covenant that was made and the agreement, the marriage vows between both sides. In Exodus, in chapter 24, verses 9 and 10, it says, Then went up Moses and Aaron and 70 of the elders of Israel. It says, They saw the God of Israel. And then in verse 11, They saw God and they did eat and drink. They're having, in effect, a marriage supper. So let's summarize what we've covered here in the first part of the teaching regarding the marriage covenant agreement at Mount Sinai. It consists of the following. Number one, at Mount Sinai, there was a wedding. The house of Jacob is the bride. Yeshua is the bridegroom. Number two, a ketubah is a marriage contract between a husband and wife. It states the terms and the conditions of the marriage. Number three, the ketubah between Yeshua and his bride entailed following the Ten Commandments in various mishpatim, which is the details of how you follow and keep the Ten Commandments. Number four, after the house of Jacob agreed to the terms of the wedding, the agreement was ratified in blood and there was a wedding supper. Now, the ratification in blood we find in Exodus in chapter 24, verse 7. He took the book of the covenant and read it in the audience of the people. And in the previous verse, in verse 6, it says Moses took half of the blood and put it in the basins and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Now, verse 8, Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you concerning all these words. Now then, in Exodus chapter 21, 22, 23, into 24, we're going to look at the details of the wedding vows and the details of how we keep and follow the Ten Commandments that were given in Exodus in chapter 20 that were also a part of the marriage vows. Exodus 21 verse 1 says, Now these are the judgments or the mishpatim which you shall set before them. So what does the Hebrew word mishpat or mishpatim mean? It means the way you decide and make a judgment regarding an issue. That's the generic meaning of the word is a judgment that you make regarding an issue. And so what the God of Israel instructs his people to do is we are to make our decisions based upon righteousness and justice. His righteousness and his justice measures. We are to make decisions according to his righteousness and justice standards. And so in effect, he has made us whenever we make decisions on how we live our lives and decisions about matters that come up in our lives. He's made us in effect a judge over the matters that we make decisions regarding. And he requires and he wants us to make right decisions that are based upon righteousness and justice according to his standards that he gives us. And so this is the meaning behind the word mishpat or mishbatim. So it has a judicial 
meaning that is associated with it. In Leviticus, in chapter 18, verse 1, it says, The Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, verse 4, You shall do my mishpatim and keep my ordinance to walk therein. I am the Lord your God. So, once again, the mishpatim is an act of deciding a case, and it is associated with making a judicial decision. Now, there's two main elements or aspects of following the mishpatim. It is associated with life, that is, if we make correct judgments according to the righteousness and justice standards that God has given us, then we will achieve his life. And also, doing these things is associated with inheritance. And so, we're going to see these two things in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 1. Now, therefore, hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the mishpatim, which I teach you to do them, that you might live and go in and possess the land. And so, understanding that the Torah outlines these two major aspects of faithfully obeying the mishpatim, it's associated with life. Now, the Hebrew word life is chai. And your goal in living your life is to live a life of chai, that you will live a life of everlasting chai. And so, in order to achieve this, it's associated and linked with following the mishpatim of the God of Israel and following his righteousness and justice standards in the way in which we live our lives. And in doing so, we get a reward of inheritance that you may go in and possess the land which the Lord your God gave to your fathers. So the Mishpatim is associated with the righteousness and justice standards of the God of Israel. Now we're going to see as well how keeping the righteousness and justice standards of the God of Israel following his mishpatim is associated with having chai, life, the best that life has to offer us, and we get to inherit his promises. Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 20. Justice and only justice you shall pursue, that you might live and possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you. And so this is the Torah basis of which in the New Testament, we will see that eternal high, which high in the Greek is Zoe, that eternal high is associated with believing in Yeshua as the Messiah, making him your savior, and living a lifestyle after the pattern that he showed us. And by doing so, we get an inheritance, we get reward. And so the, the background and the basis for this, the foundation for this, is right here in the Torah and what happened at Mount Sinai. So obeying the Mishpatim, which is the righteousness and justice of the God of Israel and applying it to our lives is associated with life or high. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 5. You shall keep my statutes and my Mishpatim, which if a man does, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 11. I gave them my statutes and showed them all my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. And so 
this phrase regarding the Mishpatim, that if a man does, he will live in them. Paul used this phrase in Romans and in Galatians. So we're going to look at Romans in chapter 10 and verse 5, where Paul says, Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that a man which does these things shall live by them. And then he also repeats this, that which is mentioned in Leviticus 18 verse 5, in Galatians in chapter 3 and verse 12. Galatians chapter 3, verse 12. He says, The law is not of faith, but the man that does them shall live in them. And so then he says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, For as many that are under the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continues not in all the things that are written in the book of the law to do them. And so what Paul is doing, he's teaching Torah and sharing these things. But because because the average Christian, the average believer in Yeshua, does not understand the Torah, does not understand what happened in the life of Abraham, and does not understand what happened at Mount Sinai, they do not understand the arguments that Paul is making here in Romans and Galatians regarding the Torah. And they take what he is explaining and they come to the conclusion that he's saying that we are not to follow the Torah. They come to the conclusion that somehow he's presenting you either believe in Yeshua or follow the Torah. And that's not what he's doing. He's actually explaining what the Torah says regarding how we are to have proper relationship with the God of Israel. And so since this is such an important element and aspect to what Paul is trying to explain in his letters, especially Romans and Galatians, we will take a moment now to share this with you because what's associated with keeping the Mishpatim is this phrase, if a man does them, he will live in them. So Regarding keeping the marriage vows at Mount Sinai, regarding keeping the Ten Commandments, regarding keeping the details, the Mishpatim, in Deuteronomy, in chapter 27, the setting here is the people are standing at Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. Now, Mount Gerizim is the Mount of Blessing. Mount Ebal is the Mount of Cursing. And so then what is given to them are the instructions that were uttered at Mount Sinai. And it ultimately says, cursed be the one that does not do these things. And then it concludes with Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 26. Cursed be he that confirms not all the words of the Torah to do them, and all the people shall say, Amen. So here is what Paul was explaining in Romans and Galatians that if we are going to have righteousness based upon our own merit without faith and trust in the God of Israel, the standard that the God of Israel gave in the Torah that is expressed at Mount Sinai is that if you want merit in yourself, 
that you must follow all 100% of everything that was specified at Mount Sinai. Now, because what was given at Mount Sinai was done through covenant, if you break one part of covenant, you've broken the covenant. So that's why it says in the book of James that if you've broken one part of the Torah, that you are guilty of breaking the entire Torah because the Torah was given as a covenant agreement. And so uh, this is mentioned in the book of James in chapter 2 and verse 10. Whoever will keep the whole Torah but breaks one point is guilty of all. So if we are to receive righteousness based upon our own merit, we must faithfully and fully keep the entire covenant. But if we break one part, we're under a curse. So therefore, because all of mankind has broken the terms of the covenant, then how are we going to be reconciled back to the God of Israel? And this is why Paul explains that the Torah teaches that we need a Savior. We need the Messiah because no one keeps faithfully all the terms of the covenant agreement at Mount Sinai. And so based upon our own merit, that's where Paul brings up the phrase, which he calls the right righteousness of the law, meaning doing faithfully everything that the Torah says, that if you want life, if you want high, that if a man will do these things, he will live in them, quoting from Leviticus chapter 18 and verse 5. And so then in Romans, in chapter 4 and verse 16, Paul says, therefore it is of by faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to those which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So at the beginning of Romans chapter 4, verse 1, it says, What shall we say then that Abraham our father has found pertaining to the flesh? If Abraham were justified by works or his own merit, he has the glory in his own merit, but he could not give glory to God. For what says the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. He's quoting from Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6. So what Paul is explaining is that Abraham's the father of our faith of how we are righteous before the God of Israel. And in Genesis in chapter 12 in verses 1 and 2 it says, The Lord said to Abram, Get you out of your country from your kindred and from your father's house unto a land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Verse 3, I will bless them that bless you and curse him that curses you and in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So the God of Israel gave Abraham a promise and Abraham believed that promise. He trusted in the promise of the God of Israel. And so because he believed and trusted in the promise of God, which was not based upon his own merit. In other words, he didn't find favor with God because he did faithfully in his own actions 100% of the time. That's not how he found favor with God because Abraham's human like the rest of us. He failed from time to time, but yet he believed and trust in the promise of God. So that's why we find in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6 that he believed in the Lord and it was counted unto him for righteousness. 
righteousness. So the Torah teaches us through the life of Abraham, who's the father of our faith, that the way in which we are righteous and in right relationship before the God of Israel is by putting our faith and trust and confidence in him. And now once we put our faith and trust and confidence in him, and after Abraham was made righteous, then God gave him the instruction to circumcise his flesh in Genesis chapter 17 verses 10 11 this is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your seed after you every man child among you shall be circumcised and you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and you so the circumcision was a sign of a covenant that was already made circumcision was a sign of a relationship that has already been established so Abraham wasn't circumcised that brought a covenant agreement into existence that caused him to be righteous before the God of Israel. It was a sign of a relationship that he had already established in his commitment to be faithful to that relationship which he had entered into. And so then in endeavoring to live his life in faithfulness to the God of Israel, we're told this about Abraham in Genesis chapter 26 and verse 5. Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. And so Abraham sought to follow the instructions and the commandments and the laws of the God of Israel. And in doing so, he will receive a reward for his service in the way in which he lived his life after having it been established that he trusted in the promises of God and that's how God accounted unto him for righteousness and being in a right standing relationship with him. Now, once he was in that right standing relationship, he needed to show obedience to God and faithfulness to him. And the way he showed that obedience and faithfulness was by keeping the commandments of God, which entailed righteousness and justice, how you treat one another, how you love your neighbor as yourself. And by being faithful to do that, Abraham was going to receive a reward for the way in which he lived his life in already trusting in the God of Israel for his salvation. And so that is what Paul was trying to show and explain in Romans and Galatians that this is Abraham's life, an example of how we're made righteous before the God of of Israel. And if we were going to have merit based upon our own actions, then we must faithfully follow everything that was given at Mount Sinai. And if you offend in one point, you've broken the covenant. Well, if you've broken the covenant, how are you going to be restored if you've broken a vow, if you've broken the covenant? So this is why Paul explained why we needed the Messiah, because if we properly understand the Torah, in God's standard, we will then see that we need the Messiah. Messiah is going to forgive us for breaking the covenant, for being unfaithful, and he's going to redeem us from the penalty of breaking the covenant. That's why Paul said in Galatians in chapter 3 and verse 13, Messiah has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And so then 
once we've been redeemed from violating and breaking the terms of the covenant, we receive the grace of God. And in receiving the grace of God, we still are obligated then in receiving his grace for breaking the covenant to endeavor to keep his commandments, his instructions, to love our neighbor as ourselves, and to live a life of righteousness and justice. Well, that's going to conclude part three of the series on the subject the marriage covenant agreement and lawsuit shalom in yeshua the messiah amen thank you eddie this is stephen morgan and all of us here at hebraic heritage ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching if you've been blessed will you help us to share this message with others hebraic heritage ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts in order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others we are offering today the dvd yeshua the lawgiver for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.